and welcome to Inquiries. You may be asking yourself, what is this podcast about? Well, Inquiries are questions. We're asking questions about how facets of libraries and queer community intersect, but make it gay. We are your noble guides. I am Shannon Prukop, she, they, librarian at Forest Hills. I'm Michael Dunbar-Rodney, he, him, and I'm a librarian at Cody. I'm Dacry Lambert, she, her, and I am a librarian at Schaefer Library. I'm Lisa Pouchot, she, her, Aya, and I am a librarian at Great Northwest. Today, we're talking queer librarianship with Chris Castillo, as well as introducing you all to this podcast and what we plan to do with it. Chris? Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Chris Castillo. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm also a librarian with Sapple. Good to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome everyone to this podcast, as it's our first episode. Uh, so starting out... Shall we shall we do the most fun icebreaker question? Uh, there are a couple of icebreaker questions that we've encountered when working with teens um, in a teen pride committee, and some of them are just so brilliant that we're going to steal them probably every episode, so just get used to these questions. So we'll start with, if your life was a reality TV show, what would it be about and what would it be called? Hmm... Hmm. I think that it would pull about, let's see. Hmm. We definitely focus around visual media because I think I have a strong background in, in that probably skewing towards television, film, TV, commenting on it, possibly in real time. Maybe this, I don't know, maybe what I'm describing is more of like a Twitch stream. Say, this sounds like a YouTube <laughs> Reacts video, <laughs> which I suppose is a form of reality TV now, so. What would it be called? Hmm. Gladiator. No, I'm not I sure. I want to know the story of why it would be called Gladiator. <laughs> that sounds extreme. <laughs> um, let me think. I need to think. What would it be called? Mmm. Mm. Feast your eyes. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, well done. Thank you. You passed. I was on the spot. <laughs> you, you can stay. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. Is it my turn now? Yeah, it's Michael. Your turn now. Um, so mine would be called the salt mine. Um, and it would just be me and my friends having brunch, and we would be reviewing and critiquing uh, books, uh, films, TV shows, aspects of pop culture, um, and uh, just being so judgy. Have just you, so judgy. Have you watched the Den Levy brunch competition show? I have, and it is adorable. We would not nearly be that sweet. <laughs> um, but no, I am. I live for that. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. I just want to eat everything what about you, Dacry? I think I know what the content of mine would be, but I'm not set on a name. I I think I, I'm going between two things that take up a lot of time in my life. Napping <laughs> and estate cell shopping. This is a perfect combination. Mm -hmm. I think, when I mean. You, when do you have time to nap? I'm jealous. I she mean, like, child. rarely <laughs> ever, but in my dreams all the time. Um but I think the show would be about all of the cool treasures I find while I'm estate sale shopping because I find some really cool stuff and it brings me so much joy. But if if like 
Really, I love trashy reality TV shows. So that's what I wish it would be about. But like my life is just not that interesting at this point. So I don't think the content of that would be very entertaining. This sounds, this sounds pretty wholesome, which <laughs> I would absolutely watch. Like, just follow you around going to estate sales and like, oh, look at that. This and is drinking cool. iced coffee. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about a name of the show, though. I'll come back mm, to that. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Lisa? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Ma'am, have you not been paying attention? No. no. Um, so it's if you if your life was a reality TV show, what would it be about and what would it be called? Okay. So teenage Lisa, my first thought, I'm not a teenager, but in my mind, my first reality show is very like Jack Kerouac on the road interviewing random people that I meet on the Greyhound bus. <laughs> I mean, this does sound like good TV. And like, if you mixed it with maybe some food, like travel and like, oh, I came across this cool little shop. You know, actually, I was going to bring food into it. Thanks for mentioning that. You're because, welcome. You know, the things that you make while you're traveling, whether it's at the gas station <laughs> It's very important. I know it sounds silly, but I make some pretty rad ramen when I'm on the road. So I think that would tie in great. And I'm going to go ahead and call it the Latchkey uh, Kid Chronicles. Yeah, that's where I'm at. It's beautiful. By, beautiful. by making rad ramen, do you mm -hmm. mean heating up noodles <laughs> well, that are already provided with seasoning? If you're on the road, sometimes you do what you got to do. You never know what you're going to pick up. Um, but no, I like to try different things. We love nori in our house. Nori seasoning. Spicy. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, a lot of convenience stores in Japan and Korea. They have like, here's an individual boiled egg. Here's an individual slice of cheese. And they have like hot water. So you can build a whole ramen situation in the gas station and then eat it there. And I, I want that. I want that because it sounds amazing. To be fair, they also have like gas station food you want to eat. <laughs> yes, it's actually food and not like mm. questionable hot dogs. <laughs> I mean, all of this can be in my episode. Just, you know, funding Stay is tuned. very rare, but please. <laughs> you can reach We're me at funding. <laughs> yes. What about you, Shannon? Oh, no, I have to answer too. Um, so when I, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but when I do, it's weird competition shows. So it would have to be something like, because, you know, there's like the body painting one and the glass blowing one. And the so it would have to be something like that, like a really bizarre competition that you're like, who, there are enough people to do a competition of this? And I don't know what, but that's, that's what it would be. <laughs> that's my final answer. That's fair. Do we have, do we have a title for this? God, no, I don't even know what's in it. <laughs> There we go. That's the title. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay. It? It's like a crafting competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There we go. Um, so icebreakers, you know, which were everyone's favorite. Um, there is a question I would like to start with, oh, lead with uh, second. It's uh, one I do like to ask a lot of my colleagues because I think in general the public, it, it never really strikes them. Um, of how this happens is like what brought you into librarianship um uh i will 
go ahead and start off. Um, for me, it was probably what most people think of it is that I was a huge bookworm as a kid. Um, I have been a Sapple patron since I could read. Um, I'm pretty sure the late fees I accrued, my parents bought like another wing for the library. Um, and so as I was, uh, growing up, I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something with books. Um, and I knew I didn't want to do publishing cause I had no interest in business. Um, and my aunt who, uh, had been a school librarian, she's like, well, why don't you become a librarian? And I feel like the majority of people, I'm like, that's a thing. <laughs> I I don't know. I just assumed that, I don't know, there were volunteers who were scanning my books to like check them out to me or whatever. Um, but it is indeed a thing. And so uh, I actually started like from high school. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and then uh, got into library school and it actually, you know, turned out to be a fit. I was a little scared at one point. I was just like, what if I like get this job? And I'm like, wow, wow. Okay. This was, this was an error, but actually, no, I really enjoy what I do. Uh, who'd like to go next or do I have to pick? I mean, you probably should make Chris go next as our honored guest. <laughs> Chris is like, well, as our honored guest, maybe, maybe you could just leave me out of this. But uh, yeah. Okay, Chris. How did I get into librarianship? Hmm. Hmm. I think that, like you, I've been a a Sapple reader my whole life. So there, I've always lived, I've had the fortune of living near a library that's walkable my whole life. Like being able to walk to the library is um, very empowering, I think, especially for children and teens to have that autonomy and um a safe a, a safer place to to go to and to to learn about everything <laughs> um but as a professional hmm no, it wasn't my I, it wasn't my first choice <laughs> as a career i i've gone through a lot of kind of deep interests in different things as an adult. Uh, I thought that I would be a photojournalist. I thought that I would be a... Hmm. There isn't a word for it, but I worked in contemporary art uh, on the administrative level for a long time. And I thought maybe I want to be a curator. Mm, nah. <laughs> so uh, I got my master's in library science and there are a lot of things that are... Uh, attractive and appealing about libraries and working in libraries in the United States is, and especially right now is uh, a challenge, but it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun one. <laughs> mm, and this isn't, you know, this is just part of all, all of our identities. It's not who we are. Um, we have lots of varied interests and things that we bring to the circulation desk, the table. But um, I think when I'm, I think if you ask me again in 10 or 20 years, it's going to be something totally different. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm going to chime in here because I actually did meet you while you were at mm -hmm. ArtPace mm -hmm. briefly when I first came back to San Antonio and I was 
quite frankly, desperately trying to make connections to figure out like, hey, where where am I going to be find the jobs? Jobs, please. Um, was that, were you entering kind of like the librarian sphere or is that kind of the ending of your curatorial interests? I was really more interested in archives and preservation, um, but I think that there wasn't, it was kind of like the back end of that process. And I, I like, I don't know. I wanted to di diversify where I was and things. Um, but I, I worked for 10 years for a nonprofit contemporary art residency and got to meet hundreds or thousands of artists and curators and work with people in the community and introduce them to, to you know, new things that would other otherwise not have existed. Mm -hmm. And I think that that same kind of like river of new, fresh, exciting things is found in the library. Like we get new books every, every week and it's exciting and um, they never stop coming. Knock on wood. I think this table <laughs> is plastic, so don't knock on it. <laughs> Lisa? <sighs> I was thinking about this, um, and there's so many people involved in how I came to sit at this table with you all today, but I would have to start with my grandmother. Um, I'm first generation, and all of my family is from Mexico, specifically Nayarit, and um, my grandmother and my family are indigenous, so... Um, being here in this space today is important because my grandmother wasn't allowed to go to school because she was Native, uh, unless she submitted to Spanish colonialism, and um, my family didn't want to do that. And so um, being in this space was important for me to represent my family because we are free to go to school here. No one stopped me from attending. And that's, that's important. And during this podcast, we're going to be talking about these sacred spaces and the spaces that we're creating for everyone. And so that's kind of what brought me here today to make sure that I'm providing for the community here in San Antonio, providing multilingual literature, education, things like that. And um, I think that's kind of how it all started for me. That's really cool. Is it my turn? Do yes, we go this way? Oh, no. Yes, indeed. I have to talk again. Um, yes, I joined a podcast and then complaining about talking. I was, I was about to say, do I need to do I need to lay this is a podcast like that's <laughs> that's what we're doing. Um. What? Um, no. So I think I had I am fairly atypical, um, no surprise. I did not grow up in libraries. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, like 30 minutes from the nearest town. Um, so when we went to town, it was to go to work, to go to school, to do something, buy groceries, then go home. We didn't really hang out. Uh, my hometown has a very nice library, but I didn't see it very often. Um, most of my books were bought um, or given to me or hand-me-downs. My mom's students sometimes would give her books. I don't know why. She taught at the college level, but they would give her a box of Terry Pratchett books, and that's how I first got into Terry Pratchett, was just a random box of them. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't think of going into libraries. Uh, I've been 
around them as a young adult uh, a lot. My One of my mom's friends is a librarian, so I, I knew about the field and I knew about libraries in general, but I wanted to be a professor. That was my dream from a young child was to be a college professor. Uh, and I realized as I got older that A, that's a terrible gig, and B, there are no jobs in universities that are with benefits and, you know, a living wage, uh, because those are still being held by people with tenure. Uh, <laughs> so I started looking at other ways that I could still teach, um, because teaching is a big thing for me. I like to be able to to tell people how to do something, how to give them, I know, tell them how to do something is very bad, um, but to give them a new skill to, to say, hey, you don't know how to do that? Cool. Let me sit down with you and let's figure this out together. Um, and it gives me a, the one thing I like about librarianship aside from teaching is that every day is different. I don't know what's going to happen from one day <laughs> to the next. And I actually kind of love that about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the sheer variety. It means I'm never bored. It means that all of my random research hobbies and other hobbies at some point will become useful if it's just for one day. Um, and so I actually got a master's in literature and about three quarters of the way through it, I was like, this is definitely not where I want to go. Maybe I'll go university library because it's still tangential. I could still university library. I worked in one and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. So then I worked in a public library and I was like, hmm, actually, I like this. Uh, the people want to be here. The people want to learn things. They aren't being forced here. Uh, they don't never know what's on their syllabus. <laughs> uh, so I started working in a public library and then I started going to library school. And then I, I thought I wanted to work with adults all my life. I was like, I don't want to work with people under 18. Why would I do that? Um, and that's been a whole other thing. But yeah, so I, I came at libraries from the side, like you do. Yeah. <laughs> that's That tends to be the usual thing, although I love how it's like, yeah, professorship. Ooh, not a great gig. You're a public librarian. Yes. I love my job, yes. but, but you know, <laughs> there at are least challenges. I do have insurance. I am it's not true. an adjunct. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Academia, here we come. Yeah, Every. so I think my story pulls on threads from everybody's share out. Um, prior to this, I was a social worker for about 10 years. And I came into librarianship as a social worker who was feeling very burnt out, but feeling like I was in a role that I loved and that I was doing really well in. And I signed up to help a friend who was in a master's program do a series of personality tests on me so she could, you know, do whatever she did with them. And one of the things that came out of one of those personality tests was uh, different professions that I would be good at. And social worker was on there, educator was on there, and then librarian was at the bottom. And I was like, ooh, you know, I've never thought of that. And libraries were a big part of my childhood. Books were a big part of my childhood. As uh, a young person, I would read books with my grandmother. She always had books for us when we went to visit her. I just never thought about it as a profession, much like Michael. You know, you just... Librarians are amazing. I'm not partial now because I am one. I just never thought that was something that I could do. And so I started in pursuit of my master's degree. And I'm a librarian. And much like the rest of my colleagues just shared, every day is new, which is what I love about it. 
Um, at the heart of this profession is social service work, which is what I love. I love meeting people. I love helping people. I love hearing about their lives and their stories and what they choose to share with us. And it, yeah, it's just really fun. I, I love this job. It's the best job ever. Here, here. <laughs> I second that. I do, you know, so many challenges, but I have never like not wanted to come to work at this job. I agree, you know, and I think that this is going to go along with what we're hoping to do here and what we're going to talk about a little bit more today and moving forward. This is the first job, like professional job that I've ever had where I didn't feel like I had to hide my queer identity to be in this role. And that is like, wow, really beautiful because both of, you know, my personal and professional life were allowed to collide. And that is unfortunately just not something that i had experienced before yeah i i will say um so uh libraries had always been a safe space for me <clears throat> although um i did you know uh understand my queerness outside of uh 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 the library arena but when i started my educational journey to become a librarian it just almost seemed like a sign to find out that the American Library Association was actually the first American professional association to support uh, gay rights. Um, that uh, a uh, gay rights pioneer, Barbara Giddings, um, is actually like worked very closely with them. Actually, became named an honorary librarian um, over the course of her life. Um, and uh, as as Dakri said, it's it's a place where I've never felt I had to hide who I was. Um, I am so I'm an openly cis gay librarian. I talk about my husband all the time. Um, depending on you know whether he's done the dishes, depends on how exasperated my tone is at that time. <laughs> um, but it also it makes me laugh because when I met him, um, he was wanting to go to mortuary school. Um, and That's he's, cool. he's actually back in school now, but he was a funeral director for, uh, five years. Um, and it was when he told me that I was like, oh, I was kind of like, I didn't know you had to go to school for that. I'm not used to being on this side of that conversation. Um, but I remember my mom saying, like, so a librarian and a funeral director. There's a mystery novel in there somewhere. There's I'm a like cozy mystery <laughs> novel that I need to read. <laughs> Of I, course I, you would think that's cozy. I was going to say, I adore you. There would be nothing cozy <laughs> yes. about our mystery no, series. Absolutely. It would be downright terrifying. <laughs> but um, but it's it's interesting because, uh, as Dr. you pointed out, you you've, haven't been in a place before where those were um, able to kind of meet those prior yourselves. And I... And, I feel it's important to note, like, for, for people who may not know, it's like, you know, the being queer isn't something that we do outside of work. It's who we are. And, and yeah, I, I like librarianship um, for the fact that, yeah, I don't have to feel feel like I divide that. I, I can navigate both those spaces openly and figure out how to navigate those spaces openly. And I have colleagues I can do that with. Um, who are all in the same boat. Um, anyone anyone else want to talk about their, uh, how that has been for them in becoming a librarian? 
Chris. It's been a relief. I, I for was sure. trying not to put someone on the spot, but okay. <laughs> no, it's a relief when when your employer and your department and even beyond that, like other departments in the city of San Antonio and being in San Antonio and finding a space like this is kind of uh, special uh, and it's not taken for granted lightly and um, mm, what else what else to be said about it how do you feel like your queerness influences your work or the way that you show up to work I mean, I walk in the door and I throw like a glitter bomb at my staff and their yes. faces and, <laughs> Um, it's a lot of cleanup every day. <laughs> every fine. morning, but they're used to it now. No, I, I, hmm. Uh, One person wears a poncho. Show up, uh, we show up to work fabulous. That's how it informs us. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm growing out my undercut. It's not that fabulous. <laughs> I'll light I, a candle for you. Thanks. I think that I'm uh, just open open to all people's experiences on the staff and kind of uh, you tread more carefully and mindfully about language and the things that you say and the weight of your your words with your staff and and you get to be a uh I get to be I get to have the privilege of being somebody that anybody of all ages can see themselves in. And I think that that's powerful to see yourself reflected in your community in a library. <laughs> uh, to see somebody that looks like you or that thinks like you. Yeah. That's been a big one for me is making sure that, um, I mean, wearing pins, wearing pride displays of any kind everyone has different feelings about that but for me because i so easily pass as cis um as this het like i i feel like being as loud as i can is a privilege that i have and that i should exercise uh so i'm always trying to make sure that people in the library see like yeah no i i may present as somewhat femme but that doesn't mean you should assume things about me and i love being i, I have joked with people that i am a starter they you know if you if you need to practice how to use they them you could use me mm -hmm. it's fine i'll be your starter they um it's it's another educational thing right like being able to help people understand with a a patient audience mm -hmm. <laughs> like no it's all right you messed up let's do it again uh, can we that... get buttons with that made <laughs> starter they <laughs> like i now want the, i need that button now <laughs> We do have button makers. I really love, Shannon, that you're um, so out about your identity and you go the extra mile to make it visible for the folks that come into your library. I think that is very important. I think it's important that people in the community come into their branches or the library that's closest to them and they not only see themselves in book displays or in programming, but they also see staff and identifiable staff that they can see themselves in, like Chris is saying. I think that that is so powerful and one of the you know, most major things that we can do showing up as queer people in this role so that young people coming into the library who may not have safe spaces at home or at school can be like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. there's an older queer person. and. Mm -hmm. There's that sigh of relief for them, for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or the excitement that they see the pin and they're like, ah, 
that's me. And you're like, yes, yes, child, someday you too could be sitting behind this desk. <laughs> Wearing a pin. Yes. <laughs> we will trade places. It'll be great. I'll be the cranky old lady coming in and you can be the patient reference person. But otherwise, I think a big one for me as a queer librarian is when working with displays, um, making sure that they're as intersectional as possible, that I'm covering as much of every alphabet as we can, you know, just because it's randomly November that doesn't mean it's only going to be books by white men. <laughs> so I think that's a big part of it, too, is making sure that every little facet of the library is in some way queered to verb it. Lisa? <laughs> I think um, it's been it's been a weird journey because um, growing up, I've had, you know, two sides of the coin where I have family from Mexico that there's just so much um, a term that we use machismo mm -hmm. culture um, happening and the women have their job the men have this job and so you have that experience tied in together with having a gay parent my father who was like girl wave your freak flag this is <laughs> this is just like how, who we are, who we're going to be. And I had that parent to where I had someone to look up to and guide me and show me all the cool spots in San Antonio that were hidden at the time um, in the queer community in the early 90s. I'm aging myself here, but um, it's true. And so when I decided to become a librarian and represent both parts of my family, the indigenous side, the queer side, I wanted to make sure that everybody was included. Um, and I think when I have my programs, I keep all of that in mind um, and really just make it fun. We just all want to hang out with each other and feel safe and be ourselves. And that's what's most important to me. Yeah, no, that that tracks like uh, surprisingly one of the things um, when I started as a public librarian, because my background actually, like Chris, was in archives and preservation because um, I like stuff. I'm kind of a pack rat um, and I'm nosy. So I love <laughs> pawing through people's old letters. Um, Perfect. So, you know, it's wonderful. Um, but when I came to the public library and doing programming, I thought that was going to be a challenge for me because I generally don't like planning events like I don't like doing all that but then it turned out to be one of the things I loved most about it um and partly because I could do a lot of queer programming and be like let's just all like hang out and learn something together in a room it'll be great um and I did also want to uh connect the queer community and the library more together um, to help them see the library more, even more as a resource uh, for themselves. Um, and then uh, other than that, I could also just like teach people about topics that I liked or bring in speakers on topics that I liked, like creative writing and things like that. Um, and so uh, it was a way, it was a way for me to find all these different communities in San Antonio um, and a way for me to reach out to them and be like, I think what you're doing is cool. You should come do it at the library. Um, and so that's, that's uh, been an ongoing thing. Um, but yeah, but that's been, been a fun journey. And uh, I agree with Shannon about 
uh, expression. Like, I have never had to wear a suit to work. I don't think I ever could. And if you look at, like, almost every librarian has a tattoo and a piercing, and it's just, yeah, that feeling when you walk into a space, I'm like, that person who works here, ah, they look like me. Like, okay, we're golden. All right, we're fine. Um, I'm the opposite of you. If I had a suit that fit me, I would wear it every day. I desperately want a three-piece suit. They're just so hard to find in my body. <laughs> that is that is fair. Yeah. That is fair. Um, I don't have tailor money. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Um, yeah. Uh, my husband actually would go to like second looks and all that and get all these suits. Um, I was just like, Enjoy, you know, standing out at a graveside service in Texas summer and that I'm going to go into my air-conditioned building where I just have to wear a shirt and jeans. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still here to tell you about it. True love. <laughs> I think talking about the programming piece is really important in talking about the evolution of libraries and how we are coming into a time where libraries are more communal and more of a community space uh, instead of just a building with books that you go and you check items out and then you leave, right? We want people to stay. We want people to feel comfortable. We want people to have fun. We want people to come and have their needs met. Uh, and I, I'm wondering if anything intentionally, what do you all do in your spaces to bring community in, to make sure that they are feeling comfortable there and wanting to stay and acknowledging the actual physical space of the library as a space for them. Um, for my part, uh, aside from programming, um, I make sure that um, we have related materials, informational materials out. Um, I have uh, pamphlets and informational things from the Pride Center, um, who the library partners with a lot for programs. They've been a great partner for that. Um, we have materials we have made. There is uh, a trans resources zine uh, that um, uh, that we have that I make sure is we keep stocked and set out um, so people have it so that even if we don't have any active programming, they can walk in, see these materials, and know that they are welcome. I think that we should always treat people the way that we would want to be treated one <laughs> oh golden rule put 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 yourself in you know stranger's shoes and try to walk into your library with fresh eyes and think what how is this place going to help what i need to do today whether it's like print out a return receipt or ugh, print out an irs form <laughs> for taxes um or to know how to get you know more information about this situation that you're living through. And um, I think that, of course, we have these resources uh, on display and for takeaway, but I think one of the most important resources are the staff, the people in the library that work there, that know how to do advanced searching and are connected to community resources. And there's, you know, we have to underscore the importance of the staff sitting there at the desks. Yeah. They're so valuable. <laughs> Precious gems. <laughs> I want that in writing. 
Put that on. Yeah. yeah. My, Is it also going on a pin? Uh, yes, and my resume. Oh, um, precious, precious <laughs> gem. Um, quote. Chris Castillo. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Have a pull quote fact, on no, your I'm resume. Just have, it's just me. Titled <laughs> "Precious Gem." I can see it now. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. Now it's fine. Um, Lisa, you got anything insightful that's not ridiculous like me? Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty ridiculous sometimes. Um, I think the main takeaway is each episode moving forward, we're going to be talking with queer people, queer people in the community, writers, not necessarily this community, um, just as a whole. And um, I really look forward to our future guest and what we're all going to accomplish together. That's beautiful. And yeah, I really, I'm looking forward to, we've got some pretty exciting people. I can't, I won't reveal, uh, but we've got a really cool group of people from all kinds of different pursuits um, where, yes, we are librarians. Yes, we're talking from a library perspective, but we want to capture as many sides of the queer community as we can, because, again, we are multifaceted as librarians, as people and as queer people. So uh, look forward to a diverse crew. It's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you're going to enjoy the uh, episodes we're going to lay out for you, because uh, even though we are talking about the inter, we'll be talking about the intersection between librarianship and uh, the professions of our guests. Um, we also want to give you a glimpse of you know the people behind the desk, because as uh, said before, being queer is not something that happens on one side of our lives or the other. It's something that kind of threads through, and so we will be talking with our guests not just from one professional to another but as one queer person to another. Um, and uh, we're excited to see what uh, what's going to bloom from that little interaction. And we hope you'll take that little journey with us. And get ready for so many tangents. So many. So many. So many. We can't help it, okay? We're doing our best. Uh, but thank you, Chris, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for lending your lovely voice and <laughs> your lovely mind to us. Uh, and thank you, listener, for joining us today. Uh, I hope you laughed. I hope you, we gave you something to think about, and I hope that you keep asking questions. So until next time, queers.